This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. are starting a brand new series this morning called Family Values, and uh, this might be a little bit deceiving, this title. This series is actually about church, um, that we have this slogan that we show on our front doors, and we put it up on our signs outside, and we put it on our video at the beginning, and it is this phrase, welcome home. And what we've been endeavoring to do and what we want to continue to do is talk about the idea of church as a family. There's a great emphasis in the scripture, which we'll look at this morning, Uh, That God calls his family, which is the church, which is his body, he calls it, he references it and talks about it as a family. And so we want uh, people uh, to feel comfortable at church. We want people to feel like they're coming home. When you come to gather on a weekend um, or on a Wednesday or whenever we're gathering together, that you feel like you're you're coming home and you're going to be gathering with your family. And all of us have something uh, to contribute to that idea, to that feeling, understanding what that is. Now, when we think about our family, our nuclear family and our extended family, maybe when we get together with our family at, you know, a a family reunion or we see each other at a wedding or a funeral sometimes, that when we get together with with our extended family, there's everybody there. There's grandparents there and there's babies there and there's married people there and there's single people there and there's children, all ages, everything in between. And that's what church is. It is a big family, and we are one local family of a bunch of families around the world called local churches. There's a a great bunch of local churches in Mississauga and in Canada and North America and around the world, and we are part of the greater extended family of God. And when we think about family, once again, just like our our natural family or our bloodline family or the family that we married into, you know, we like... Most of the people in our family, right? And then there's sometimes, you know, the crazy uncle is there too, but then they're there at church. And so church is just like a family in that respect. And uh, what God has done is he's called all of us to be part of the family. The thing that Jesus said that he was building is the church. So all of us who call ourselves Christ followers, God also invites us into his family, into the church, which is about being a part of a group. I know there's um, some individual Christ followers out there, and I get it. Sometimes they've gone to church and things have, you know, not worked out so well for various and sundry reasons at church. And the reason sometimes there's problems at church, and I've been in church my whole life, so I can speak intelligently about this. The reason that there's problems at church is because there's people there. But you notice there's people at your job, and there's issues at your job too, right? And then there's, there's people at your school, and there's issues at your school, and there's people in your neighborhood, and there's issues at your neighborhood. And then sometimes we go to church, and then some things don't go right sometimes, or there's somebody at church maybe I don't like. And then so sometimes Christians try to distance themselves from church, thinking, well, you know, I went to the church thing, I tried the thing, it didn't work out, I got hurt, or I got disappointed. And so they left, and, and they try to be sort of a Christian on their own. <clears throat> but God invites all of us who say to him, yes, you're my Lord and my Savior, he also invites us into his family, which is the church. And there's so many great things that can happen, uh, like I said, I am aware of and I can describe as well, 
um, the negative things that go on at church sometimes. And once again, it's because there are imperfect people that attend it and imperfect people that lead churches. So I get all of those things that happen. But what we want to focus on in this series is the values that we are taught in the scripture as it relates to being part of the family of God. Now, we all have preferences. If you've grown up in church or you've grown up in a, in a specific denomination, you might have a certain idea, I do as well, about how children's church should be run and how youth ministry should happen and what worship should look like or what it should sound like or the songs that should be sung or what the preacher should wear or how long church services should be and what a thousand different things that we like and that we have personal affinity for. We have to move beyond those things. We have to be able to transcend those things and find out what are the values from the scripture, what God talks about to the church, what are the family values in the family of God beyond my preferences, because we all have them. But those values are more important than our preferences. Those values that we see in the scripture, the things that Jesus taught, the, the things that we see in the letters to the churches What are those things that are valuable to God? And those are the things that we need um, to have a healthy, growing church. Because we want everyone, we want people that come here to feel like this is home. We we realize people are, we're not going to be able to reach every person in Mississauga. And that's why there's all different types of churches in Mississauga so that, you know, God can use different styles and different approaches and different things to reach different people. But for the people that... um, Whatever we're doing here that can connect with them, that can move them closer to Jesus, that is our goal. We want people to see Jesus. We want people to know Jesus. That is the purpose of our community. So whether, why would I come early or why would I stay late or why would I have a smile on my face or why would I give, all of these different things are going to be things that we're going to learn from the scripture. What is valuable to God and what is important to God as it relates to church that we can see ourselves as part of the family of God. So just to define the word church, the word church means uh, in the New Testament, it's ecclesia, uh, the Greek word, and it means a group or assembly of persons called together (coughs) for a particular purpose. The called out ones, sometimes we say. But once again, it's about gathering together. Yes, God saves us as individuals and does something for us as individuals, that God loves you as an individual, but then he's called us to be part of the church. He's called us to do this gathering together thing. He's called us to be part of a local family of God because we can accomplish and do so much more together than we can do by ourselves. And that's one of the reasons um, that we are supposed to be part of a local family of God. And, And we can learn Uh, Just like I said, there's a huge cross-section of ages and generations and demography here at our church, and we can learn uh, from everybody on their journey of faith. And that's one of the great things, once again, about rubbing shoulders with people who also follow Jesus. We can learn and grow. We can worship God. We gather together. Didn't we have a great time worshiping God this morning? And see, that just brings us together. When we come together and we're lifting up the name of Jesus, I love singing worship in my car, but there's something special when we come together and sing together on a Sunday morning when we're all expressing our faith and love to God. That's one of the reasons why God calls us together, that the church is supposed to be a worshiping community, this idea that I didn't make myself, that I'm actually going to worship the creator God and we're going to gather together under that idea, under the banner, under the name of Jesus, and we're going to worship God and lift up God. 
So we see that the church is this visible Jesus group in the world. Uh, the, the, the thing that people would say, generally speaking in society, maybe somebody who doesn't go to church, or like, what, well, what is the Christian group? Or, or what is the thing that's Christian in society? And they will point at the church, in a sense. Whatever church that they might think of, they will point at the church and realize the gathering is where the Christians are. But when we think about being a Christian, we can say, well, what am I? Well, I'm a Christian. But being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is not just necessarily about a what, it's about a whose you are. That the, the following of Jesus is a relational idea. It, it's not just a what I am in name only, but it is actually all about relationship. And the relationship that we have with God as our Father God, as we will see over and over again in the Scripture, is supposed to issue out into relationship with other people. I'm not supposed to be an island to myself. I'm supposed to gather myself together with a bunch of other people who say that they follow Jesus because God has something for us to do and accomplish together. So in the scripture, there's a bunch of familial references. So let's just read one here in John chapter 1, verse 12. If you have your Bibles, let's turn over there. If you have the Bible app, let's look at it together. John chapter 1, verse 12 in the NLT says this, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So there is something that we would say about being a Christian, well, I'm going to believe something and I'm going to accept something. I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But that moves me into a relationship with God. I'm going to be a child of God. That Jesus wanted us to see ourselves in relationship to God, God the Father, but then also in relationship with other people who also follow Jesus. Hey, I'm going to become a child of God, verse 13. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or a plan, but a birth that comes from God. So we've heard this phrase, being born again, and this all helps us to have imagery, puts a metaphor on us, uh, helps us to understand, hey, we're, move, we're moved into the family of God. Jesus showed up. Big emphasis in his ministry as he walked the earth and preached and taught and healed for three years. That people thought of their relationship with God as almost as a business exchange, that I'm going to uh, perform the religious ceremonies and then God uh, might do something for me or might not do something depending on his mood. <clears throat> so I'm going to present my religious religiosity, my, my ceremonial nature. I'm going to present that to God. And then, uh, then I will have a relationship with God. But no, J Jesus is saying, the scripture is telling us that you're born into it, that it's, it's like being a part of the family. And it, how did you get, you didn't choose your family, you were born into it. And so it's something that your parents did that caused you to be born. It's the same way as it relates to God, that it's something that God provides for us. It's something that God gives to us through Christ that we can be in relationship with God. So at birth, it's not a natural birth, but it's a birth that comes from God. So we see Jesus talked about God as a father. We see in the New Testament, the church described as the bride of Christ. These are family uh, metaphors for us. And it talks about that we are children through adoption. It says we are children through birth, as we just read. We are members of God's household, the New Testament tells us. Assembly of the firstborn. The church, the body of Christ, the family of God, these are all synonymous terms. But what we want to focus on this idea in this series is seeing ourselves 
as a local family of God, which is a part of the larger family of God. I don't know if you follow um, any other churches or maybe Christians on Instagram or social media. It's so wonderful see, to see all of the church doing so many great things around the world in so many different cities. And we can look at that and we may never know those people, but we look at that and we're like, that's our family. Man, we, we share the same Savior and they're doing wonderful things. And we have this family that's around the world. So we want to see ourselves as part of the family of God. But then we want it to be, once again, we want to know what those values are. Moving beyond my preferences, what are the values? What are the spirit of the things that we see in the church that it's important for us to focus on? So let's read here. Let's get started. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 says this, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church. So Jesus is the head of the church. And then it says this, which is his body? The church, which is his body? Now, when Jesus walked and taught and ministered on the earth for that three years, as we mentioned, everything took place from and within his body, his physical body. And then he went and did all of these Jesus things. And now it's telling us, the scripture is telling us that the church is his body. That the, the, all of us together are the body of Christ. You might have heard that phrase. We are the body of Christ. So we should value the things that Jesus valued and we should do the things that Jesus did. Once again, moving way past our preferences things that we like and don't like and the things that have happened to us and maybe we got hurt and this and that and the other, all these different things, that we are the body of Christ, that we are the family of God. And then the verse finishes, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills us all and all. So he doesn't leave us alone to do this, to do the activities of Christ. He actually fills us by his spirit, so that we can do the works of Jesus, that we can do Jesus' stuff as part of the family of God. So that activity is very important, that we don't just see ourselves as consumers of church service. Well, I just go to church. No, you are the church. God has filled you with his spirit. God has put himself on the inside of you so that you can do the works of Jesus. Yes, we go and we gather but the reason we go and we gather is because we already are the church. You, you didn't show up this morning and, oh, now you're the church. No, you were because you are a follower of Jesus. We've said yes to Christ. We're in the family of God. So we are the church as, as individuals. And then together we can accomplish the works of Jesus. <clears throat> so as we look at some things here, in this series, we want to look at this. What is the big reality for us as it relates to being in the kingdom of God? And then what is the ethos of the church? What should be the things that inspire us? And then what should we do? Because we are the church, what are the actions that we should take? So what's the big spiritual truth, which we're going to talk about actually today? And then what are the things that inspire us? And then what are the practical things that we do as the family of God? <clears throat> So one of the things, as I mentioned to you uh, many times, I've grown up in church, and for the life of me, what I've always struggled with in church, you may have struggled with the same thing, is grumpy Christians. Grumpy, angry, um, sour, how many more adjectives I can come up with, uh, judgmental, 
Um, shout out some words, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Angry, just mean people. Just people you wouldn't actually like. People you wouldn't actually want to spend time with. Just sort of sour faces, sour in the pulpit, sour. Like, I just, I honestly don't get it. And, and the, the reason I don't get it, because as we would look at what are the tenets of Christianity, what are the things in the scripture, we should know that, that God is in us and filled us now, as we've just read, that we have a relationship with God presently, and then our relationship with God is set for eternity. What is there to be sad about? There's Christians that walk around, I feel like, you know, they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders, or they feel like they've got the weight of the world's sin on their shoulders. And I'm thinking, you know what, Jesus already carried that. You don't qualify. You know, upset and, and frustrated with the sin of the world. You know, I, I feel like we should know this by now. Sinners are going to sin. We shouldn't get upset about it. Right? Are you with me this morning? And, and so what we need to know as our starting place is what is our reality? What is true about us as sons and daughters of God, as we just read there in John, hey, we've accepted Jesus. He gives us the right to be part of the family of God. That if we want this, is this family that we're in, it's an open family. We want other people to join the family. And so somebody that's showing up here on a Sunday in the morning that might be far from God or <clears throat> might be trying to discover something about Christianity or come back to Christ, when they show up to our community, we actually want to have joy on our faces. We shouldn't be a sad community. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to go through things sometimes and face difficulty and face tragedy and all of those different things. But as, uh, as we think about the tenor of our life, it should be a joyful life. You know, if people showed up here trying to find out about Jesus and, you know, maybe somebody invited them to church and then if we were all just sad and angry... They would think, well, you know, I got enough problems of my own. Why would I follow Jesus? Like, look at them. They're sad and they're sour and they're angry. They, they're frustrated. They're, you know, they're mad at the world. It's like, I don't, I don't want any of that. So a big part of us as um, valuing what God values, that we should actually value and be joyful about the fact that we are the sons and daughters of God. It should affect every part of our lives. It should be like the underlying current of who we are is... I'm joyful. Why am I joyful? But Jesus actually has done something for me. And it's very easy for us to get our mind on other things and get our thoughts on other things and look at the world and be frustrated and look at economic situations and political situations that we hate. And we get our mind on all of that. We just kind of become an angry individual all the time, losing out on this idea. Listen, think about it again. You're a child of God, the eternal transcendent, creator god the father is your father should make us joyful it should make us glad and that's kind of my starting place in this series is like we should just be joyful people knowing what the scripture says and then actually believing what it says so that it actually affects my life in a real way it affects that i have a smile on my face it affects the fact that i know when difficult things come my way that I know it's not God, my father, coming against me because I know that he's good, that I know he's going to help me with this situation. He's going to walk with me through this situation. So let's just remind ourselves a little bit of what is that transcendent real truth for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus. Let's read it here in Ephesians chapter 1. 
So Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, this group of people that say they follow Jesus. So he's writing to them and he's going to remind them of some truths. And he says this, verse three, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, let's think about that. What does that say? What does that mean? What, what has happened to us? Because of Jesus, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. How many are left out? None. All spiritual blessings. So everything that the scripture taught, everything that we need for life and godliness has been provided for us. So God has provided for us everything we need. He has blessed us. The word blessing, I looked up this definition, I love it. It is a pronouncement of God's favor. So God has pronounced his favor on you as a child of God. That should make you glad. Should make you a happy individual. You don't actually have the weight of the world on your shoulders. God has done something for you. And what has he done? He's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He's pronounced his favor on you. Now, my my natural earthly father has obviously done tremendous amount of favors for me in my life. He's given me great things. But beyond a natural father, think about the heavenly father. See, somebody's the, the favors that somebody can do for you are limited by their resources. Are God's resources limited? Are God's resources limited? You can answer. No, God's resources are not limited. So the favor that comes from God is better than any person, the favor of any person can give. So what should that do to us? How should that change how we live and how we think and how we act and the smile on our face? It should affect us that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. (coughs) Verse 4, even before he made the world... God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So what has God done? He's chosen us. And then it says that we are holy and without fault in his eyes because of Jesus. Now, we are not holy and without fault in our own selves. We have issues and we have problems and we we have sinned. But in Christ, we have Jesus' righteous record. So I am holy in God's eyes, not because of what I've done, but I am his son and I am his daughter because of Jesus' righteous record. And he gives it to you and me. So I stand before God, not in self-righteousness, because I have none, I have no righteousness, but the righteousness that God gives... His righteous record becomes my righteous record. Once again, this should change how we think and act and the smile on our face. That I have a righteous record before God because of Jesus. Where am I? I'm in Christ. When I'm in a relationship with God, I'm in Christ. I'm not in myself. I'm not going as Brent Coulter. I'm not going as how good I am, and I'm a pastor, and I've gone to Bible school, and I've done this, and I've been in this many church services. No, that's my righteousness. That, that's useless before God. But God gives me Jesus' righteous record, and then I stand holy and without fault 
in his eyes. Verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. <coughs> this is what he wanted to do. And gave it, it gave him great pleasure. Verse 6, so we praise God for his glorious grace. He has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, that God has poured out his grace upon us. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us his, his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has showered his kindness upon you. So this is the, one of the things that affects us as a family, that God has given us his kindness. He's given us his grace. He has given us his righteous record. So we should have an underlying joy and happiness when we gather together, because why are we gathering together? Because this is true. We're not gathering together because we all have the same idea of exactly what a worship service should look like. We're gathering together under the banner of Jesus that he has done something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And he showered us with kindness, his own kindness. So we gather and we sing and we worship and we serve children and we teach kids and we teach adults. Why? Because this is true. This is what it means to be in the family of God. So it changes how we act and how we think. But not only that, it, it, that, see, these things are true for us as an in, individual. But once again, if we bring this into the church family notion, we want this idea also to be effective for other people. You know, we have people here at church who are on, on our greeter team. But what I would like all of us to do as a value, I would like all of us to think of ourselves as greeters. That we would greet people on a Sunday. Say hi to them. Introduce yourself. Ask somebody their name. If you're in kids, picking up your kids, hey, there's a possible friend that you can have. You have kids the same age. Or you could say hi to someone. This might be their first time. If you've ever gone to church for the first time, it's a little bit difficult. It's a little bit awkward. You don't know what to do. You don't know where the bathrooms are. When do we stand? When do we, you know, when do we sit down? What are we supposed to do right now? I'm not sure what we're doing. But if there's a friendly face there to greet somebody, it makes all the difference. Because we want people to feel like this could be their home. Welcome to the family. Not somebody walks in the door, you know what, I've never seen them before. I wonder what secret sin they're dealing with. <laughs> the same sins you're dealing with, your people, okay? You don't have a righteous record before God because of what you've done. It has been given to you in Christ. And see, we forget that. If you've been in church a long time, you forget that. You think, you know, I put in 25 years. I put in 40 years at church and God is going to accept me because I blah, blah, blah. No, it's only because of Jesus. It's only because of Jesus. And so that should make us grateful. And it should make us welcoming and warm to somebody who actually might be far from God. Somebody that might actually be struggling with some sin. You could be the friend that could help them to stop messing up their life. But we've got to get it straight. We've got to understand who we are as the family of God. So Paul continues in Ephesians 3 and he takes this truth, this idea, 
and he helps us to understand that it actually means something beyond ourselves. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. <coughs> when I think of all of this, Paul is talking about all of the truths that he just wrote. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, for the benefit of you. So Paul legitimately was a prisoner. He was in a Roman jail at this point because of the preaching of the gospel. So he's writing to this church from jail. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are anybody who are non-ethnic Jews. In the Old Testament, uh, Jews were part of the family of God because of race and because of religion. So Paul is saying, I am going, I'm preaching to the Gentiles, to all of the non-Jewish people. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. So God had this mysterious thing that he was doing in Christ, this mysterious plan. In other words, it's kind of a little bit of a secret. Verse 4, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. What was God's plan regarding Jesus? (coughs) God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is... God's plan. Do you want to know what God's plan is? Come on, everybody. Let's get excited about the scripture. He's like, hey, I'm going to tell you what God's plan is. See, this is like, what is God's plan for my life? We're just going to read it right now, okay? Super exciting. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. This is a really big idea. Because for them, you either had to be Jewish or you had to do the Jewish religion and then maybe you might be in. But here the good news is, he said the good news, which is the gospel. The gospel that Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, died on a cross, rose again to offer to all of mankind his own righteous record separate from all forms of religion and ethnicity that everybody is offered the same relationship with God regardless of their background and their skin color what country they came from that God has the same offer to everybody See, and this is the way we live in the world so many times. We differentiate ourselves with people from different backgrounds, different uh, socioeconomic levels, um, different educations, and I am above somebody and I'm below somebody based on a thousand different reasons. But what the scripture is telling us, that God makes the same offer to all mankind, Gentiles and Jews, which is everybody. You've heard this phrase, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That God offers his salvation to everybody. Doesn't matter your religious background. It doesn't matter your ethnic background. It doesn't matter your skin color. God calls people, the scripture says, from every kindred, tribe, and nation. He offers us all the same grace. So that's why we don't have to pre-judge anybody. That God loves that person just like he loves you and me. This is the gospel. And I want to tell you that this is the remedy for mankind. This is what mankind needs even today. 
we look at the world and we judge people on so many different things and your political views are this and my political views are this and so I'm higher than you and my background is this and your background is this so I'm below you. God gives us the same offer to everybody. God gives the same offer of grace to every person. This is the good news. God has done it for us. That all religion, all forms, useless. God has done it. God has done something in Christ. (coughs) And then he says that we're going to share equally in these riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of the blessings they belong to Christ Jesus. Verse 7, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him and spreading the good, this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. And we should all think this. God wants us to tell people about Jesus, but we should all think that I'm the least deserving person to do this. My background is not good enough. I am not good enough. But because of Jesus, because of the mercy and grace of God, that me and any other preacher can stand up and talk about what Christ has done for us. Verse 9, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, the creator God, not the God of religion, The creator God then makes provision of salvation for us to be in his family. God does something for us so that we can know him. Had kept a secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all, listen, verse 10. God's purpose in all this was to use the church. Who does God want to use? God wants to use the church. God wants to use local gatherings of people who say that I'm a Jesus person. All around the world, God wants to use the church, not just me off by myself, but me part of a group. I'm part of the group. I'm part of the assembly. I'm part of the people that are gathering together. He wants to use the church to display his wisdom in rich variety. We have wonderful variety in our church. A couple years ago, we did like a a mini survey and we had 51 different nations represented in our church. I love that. In tremendous variety. Why? Variety of all the people that God has created. Those are the people that God loves. All of the people. All of the people that you lock eyes with when you walk down the halls of your job and through your school and through the mall. God loves those people regardless of what they're doing and where they came from. But God wants to use the church. He wants to use you and me to display what? That we can be a family of grace. The family of God is defined by grace. That we are not in the family of God except for God's grace. We didn't achieve it. He gave it. So we should be more willing 
on a constant basis to give grace. For someone who shows up here that I'm not sure about, we're going to give them grace. We're going to invite them into the family. Why? Because we've been invited into the family. Not because of our own goodness. Because of Jesus' righteous record. (coughs) Verse 11. This was his eternal plan. Which he carried out through Christ. Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. Because of Christ. Do we see some repetition here? Because of Jesus, because of Christ, because of Jesus, because of Christ, because of what God has done in Christ. You and I are never mentioned about what we did because what we did was not enough. But we get to be part of it because of what Jesus has done. That this truth becomes our truth. And then we get to live out to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into his presence. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to finish this morning. That we can come boldly into the presence of God. We're going to finish up with this today. Because these verses, once again, they remind us about the reality for us in the family of God. What is the reality for us in the family of God? That God is our Father and I am His child. And these truths should affect how we are and how we deal with other people. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest, ours, understands our weaknesses. Jesus understands your weaknesses. He does not condemn you for them. Why? Because he understands them. He's not condemning you. He understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do. So all of the same, all the, the, the temptations that you face, Jesus faces all of those. And then what? Yet he did not sin. So let us. Us who? Us in the family of God, the sons and daughters of God. Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Or the, another translation says, the throne of grace. Every time we talk to God, should remind us that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we have no relationship with God. So it humbles us. It humbles us to be part of the family of God. Coming to the throne of grace. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When do we need it most? Every day. All of the time. And we need grace to drive to work in the morning. 
We need grace to be married. We need grace to be single. We need grace to be a parent. We need grace for our jobs. And every time we go to God, we are reminded that the reason that we can go to God is because of Jesus. And God wants to present. God wants to display through us and through our lives this wonderful mystery of grace. See, a church filled with grace can give grace. See, if we've been given grace and we are reminded that we have been given grace, man, it just causes us to be so grateful that we have been recipients of grace so we can be dispensers of grace. And this is one of the values in the family of God. Let's just pray this morning. God, we love you this morning. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.